0: Welcome into the Halloween edition, 2018 Year of Our Lord, Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Today's Tim Graham Show is moving over to Periscope. We're not on Facebook Live today. Jonah Bronstein handling things. Uh, He's our technician on all this. Uh, We're trying to get this worked out. Uh, I think we can reach more people on the Periscope. So take a gander at uh, my Twitter feed at by Tim Graham. That's by Tim Graham. <laughs> Bi Tim Graham will be a totally different feed.
1: <laughs> it's out there.
0: It's it's got to be. <laughs> well, in fact, be. I know it is. I know it
2: is. I mean, people aren't not thinking that.
0: Or uh, check, uh, Jonah Bronstein's got it. He's LeBronstein. How's it, is it going? All right. Looks Have to be we working launched yep. well. Yep.
3: Okay. How's it going for LeBron? Better than it's
4: going for LeBron
3: Steen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're listening to The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I am Tim Graham of The Athletic here in studio with the big crooked Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. And we're joined this week by also of The Athletic, Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects. You can follow him on Twitter there. And uh, we're going to get into some Sabres talk. We'll talk about some Amerks. We'll get into the philosophy of what's going on in Rochester. Good things. And I think it parallels maybe the thoughts of, well, maybe not (laughs) paralleling it now. Paralyzes. Well, it is paralyzed the Bills. (laughs) Paralyzing the Bills quarterback situation is what I was going to say. Paralleling uh, the need to get Josh Allen on the field. Got all these things going on in Rochester and fans. If uh, things remain turbulent with the Sabres, let's say two really fun games followed by two Clunkers. Well, let's get those Rochester kids up. But
1: let's, let's tap the brakes. Things are cooking, though. Things are well. Okay. But uh, the smell is good in the kitchen, but it doesn't mean the food's ready yet. So yeah. I think everyone needs to kind of relax a little bit, enjoy the success that the kids are having. I'm sure we'll get into it.
0: Good. Great oh, metaphor. We will. We will. Again, I, uh, Jonah Bronstein, I already mentioned him. He'll be here. We'll talk about some UB football. Jonah was at the game last night doing some coverage. He's been all over the UB foosball team, and a big win, big win on national television. And uh, Bobby Rosati, producer extraordinaire, diddling the knobs per the usage, handling things for us behind the board. Uh, big weekend, and big things ahead in uh, Buffalo sports, even though the Bills are playing horribly, 2-6, and six, <laughs> a smoking crater. At uh, quarterback, the depth chart there is just uh, a compost heap. But th- please stop! I'm going to tell you now: you got to stop smacking your lips. That is awful, and I'm not. I'm not saying it as like a running thing. I will. I will take your ass off. So the air we had an
3: eight-hour drive from Buffalo to Indianapolis to watch Derek Anderson, which in and of itself was. A real, tree, a real treat. It was a trip, too. But apparently, I was making too many mouth noises on the trip, so that Tim started to punch me in the arm every single time that I would make one. But then. In the leg, actually. Right in the thigh. In the leg, I'm sorry. Right in the thigh. In the thigh. And But
0: I said ahead of time, I said, you got it. If you keep doing that. He warned me. If I, you I was, keep yeah. doing that, I'm going to have to start. Retaliating.
3: And you did. And I and deserved it. And he kept it.
0: doing it. But and he does it so mindlessly. He does it's it. subconscious. He even right. takes like a drink and he's got this little fancy thing he does as though he's doing it like for show. And he takes a sip of his drink and he goes,
1: dude. Rah, rah,
0: Rodak. But
3: now he's stopped. Oh my. He's God. completely stopped wailing on me. Because I'm keeping score. Exactly. And he's. There's and like a, there's gonna, a bank of them now. I'm going to
0: dish him out as You're as needed. Deliver I'm it. just
3: afraid about where it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. It's like that Family Guy episode where. Brian owes Stewie money, and eventually Stewie just starts beating the crap out of him with a (laughs) towel rack in in the bathroom.
0: (laughs) With a vacuum cleaner uh, extension. That's that's Chad Kelly. (laughs) So we'll see what happens there. So anyway, I was going to say, to set up this big week, Sabres are interesting. The Amerks are going well. Uh, UB football, one loss still. Greatest season in UB history? Is it already,
4: if they lose every game for the rest
0: of the way, is it still the...
4: No, if they they lost out, or if they lost most of their remaining games, I'd say it's not as good as the 2008 season and some of those teams in the 50s, but they're about one win away, and they're they're on track for this to be the best season they've ever had.
0: And the Bills are also fascinating with what's going on at quarterback. Matt Barkley signed today. He looks like he's going to be active on Sunday. He... (laughs) If Nathan Peterman starts and Derek Anderson isn't healthy enough to go, and that means Matt Barkley dresses, uh, then I think maybe we'll have Joel Staniszewski on to have some sort of uh, bet as to what would the odds be that Matt Barkley plays. Because Peterman, whether he gets pulverized by Khalil Mack, there's another Buffalo tie-in with what's going on locally here in sports. It'll be interesting to see what Khalil Mack did last time. He was in town. He was shut down. He did not see he, had if he a plays. bad game. Yeah, if he plays, if he talks afterwards, Bucky Gleason of uh, Sports Radio 1270, the fan, he's the one who badgered Khalil Mack into talking last time. If if not for Bucky, Khalil Mack walks out of New Era Field without talking to anybody. So we still haven't gotten to the bottom of why Khalil Mack's got this rager for, uh, for Western New York.
4: No, but it seems but, like that's cooled off a little bit, at least just based on social media retweeting and him being a little bit more around the UB program in the last year than he was a year ago at this
3: time. Right. If there was ever a time where (laughs) – I did it again without even thinking – where you could make the case that the Bills should consider Colin Kaepernick, this would be it, or really yesterday would have been it. Um, Colin Kaepernick. When you have – okay, so you're bringing Derek Anderson, October 9th, The thinking behind that was to bring in a veteran, he's 35 years old, have a mentor for Josh Allen, have somebody who's not going to threaten his job. That was, of course, the idea going in. I can understand if Colin Kaepernick wasn't on the table at that point. However, right now, this week, the Bills just needed an arm. They needed a a warm body at quarterback to replace another warm body at quarterback in Nathan Peterman because they're already down their top two quarterbacks. So in that case – I think it's a more appropriate comparison between Matt Barkley and Colin Kaepernick. And I think it's a harder case to make in this situation that Matt Barkley is the better choice for the bills. um, Even despite everything else that comes with Colin Kaepernick and um, that whole grievance that he's filed against the NFL. And of course just, you know, the circus that would come along with any of that. So,
0: and Terry Pagula for racial purposes has found himself in the news recently uh, yes. Eric Reed uh, whether you believe it or not or whether you think that it means anything or not a prominent member uh, of the NFL who has been highly involved in raising awareness on you know police uh, brutality and uh, the social ec- ec- socioeconomic uh, struggles of uh, black people in this country one of the you know forerunners of the kneeling movement a supporter of colin kaepernick eric reed who's with the carolina panthers evoking evoking invoking i always Invo-ing. get those I'd say it. invoking in- invoking. In- invoking terry pagula's name and quotes uh, about uh the nfl needing a, a black
3: figurehead figurehead, a black figurehead because he's losing yeah.
0: sponsorships over all this in right. protest and stuff. just
3: to be clear that is something that has come up before. I believe that it was in Seth Wickersham's story. I was mm-hmm. in a New York Times story as well. But, but Eric Reed just, just
0: a few days ago was flashing that right. quote to reporters at his locker stall as proof positive, as far as Eric Reed is concerned, that the NFL owners have a serious problem. And um so the Bills owner finds himself in the news for that. The Bills happen to <clears throat> excuse me, need a quarterback Right, and nobody wants to sign Colin Kaepernick, and so it. I that think maybe it would solve Terry Pegula's problem, wouldn't it?
3: Well, to bring in
0: Colin Kaepernick with his Nike ads and his, you know, visibility and
3: yeah, well, black figurehead it would take the and, attention away from the rest of the debauchery at that position for the Bills. But the question has not really been asked. I think debauchery. It, was, it might have been asked back. I in the I think Josh Allen
0: and Derek Anderson are fine, upstanding people. I think they're behaving themselves. Well, debauchery in terms of.
3: What's going on I on the field. I see what you're saying. It's not well, yes. like
0: dildos. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, That's what's been that's going on on the field. However,
3: it, today was, I think, the time to ask the question. Uh, Adam Benini from Channel 2 in Buffalo did ask the question of Sean McDermott today about whether he considered uh, or whether the Bills considered Colin Kaepernick before signing Matt Barkley. And Sean McDermott's answer uh, was that him and Brandon Bean – considered a lot of things it's it's the typical generality that a lot of coaches might use so I followed up a little bit later in the press conference this morning um, specifically asking how much the non-football aspect of Colin Kaepernick weighed into any deliberations about him and Sean McDermott did say that they had a conversation about that Um, but then he said I'm going to let it lie Uh, meaning I'm not going to talk about it any more than that Um, so an interesting admission to some extent uh, that it was discussed by the Bills, um, but what was you, that tweet you got?
0: Read the read the tweet if the you tweet. could, because tweet? the tweet that you you sent it uh, you read it to us before the show about you had uh, a Bills fan reach out to want to know who asked who dared oh. to ask John McDermott that question because I think it's a glimpse right into how at least some fans are going to think and why the NFL owners are treating Colin Kaepernick like plutonium.
3: Right. And I mean, maybe this was a a parody of some sort, but I did get a tweet about a half hour ago from a quote unquote fan who said, So which one of you fake sports media pundit wannabes had the nerve to bring up that name of that disgusting, disrespectful, spoiled, rotten temper tantrum throwing kneeling millionaire, Colin Kaepernick, up to a man of faith, love and respect for this country, Coach McDermott. So that, I think, paints a a pretty decent picture of the division, um, obviously, that exists with the issue of Colin Kaepernick. And certainly, as soon as I tweeted some of the quotes from Sean McDermott this morning, you saw both sides of it instantly in your your Twitter feed. uh, People starting to comment on it and retweet it, uh, so on and so forth. Um, But I I did think it was a good tweet uh, this morning by uh, John Scott of uh, Spectrum. Sports here in Buffalo who looked on pro football reference and looking at active quarterbacks, ranking them by highest interception percentage. Number one, not surprisingly, Nathan Peterman, 11.1%. Number two, Matt Barkley, 6.77%. In fact, within the top 15, all four quarterbacks on the Bills roster, Nathan Peterman, Matt Barkley, Derek Anderson, and Josh Allen, all have... The 14th worst among the 14th worst interception percentages, and then if you add in Terrell Pryor, and that's going back. What's the time range on that? Active quarterbacks, active for their entire career. Okay. And then you add in Terrell Pryor, who is actually number ten on the list. Then the Bills have five out of the top 14 active quarterbacks, quote unquote, with the highest interception interception percentages.
0: I was just looking to see if there are any former Bills on there, just to make it even more all the more comprehensive.
3: There are four. Jets, I guess four quarterbacks who have played for the Jets. Yeah, Petty, Darnold, Geno Smith, and if you count Pryor. Well, there you go.
0: So the Bills are just attracted to the guys who like to throw a lot of interceptions. They're okay with that. Ball protection, your history. If uh, you are the type of guy who sees a defender closing in on your target, you don't care, you throw it anyway. <laughs> or you don't see the guy coming Uh you know that that's your read, and when you break the huddle, that's where you're going to go with the ball. You stare the guy down, and uh, you see the defender break, but your arm can't stop. Your brain is just telling you, don't make this throw, and your body just won't respond, and they throw it anyway.
4: <laughs> is it an overreaction to Tyrod Taylor? People would say he didn't throw enough interceptions.
0: Yeah, let's try to get back to where, uh, where the Bills are more respectable. Yeah, let's try to— uh, They just
1: like gunslingers, Tim. That's right. Just like gunslingers, you know. Here's a half-full thing with Matt Barkley. He was nine for sixteen against the Bills in preseason. Well, that's true. There you go. That's true. Did he throw any touchdown passes? Or no touchdown passes that game? He did have a pick.
3: Well, that was one of the things that Sean McDermott brought up today. Was that he has played recently? Recently meaning in the preseason. So apparently, Colin Kaepernick hasn't played in in long enough. So that was what's. Well, then Get it becomes knock against
0: obviously a self fulfilling prophecy uh, when you keep him out. But I think that that is a serious consideration. I think that's a, a much bigger consideration for Colin Kaepernick than any kind of demonstration or his uh, off field activism, anything like that. Is the fact that he hasn't played, and it's not necessarily his fault. Are you sure about that? that? He hasn't played. <sighs> I'm not it's so sure. It's been two
1: full seasons now, right? Because he didn't yeah. play at all last year. Right. It's, it's been like a season through. and a half. Yeah. Okay. I'm,
0: what I'm saying is, is when I I would I'm a defender of Colin Kaepernick. I've always been.
3: Uh, a, right, right. I'm I'm simply hey saying, Bobby,
0: I, you're I, you're technically from a producer standpoint. Yeah, you have one of those uh, wind uh, thing. What do you call the the foam things that go on the end of? A oh, microphone? the screen, pr- the um, I have mic one protector. Of those not it on me. It's a mic my protector. Car. You need one. I'm just saying, if we had one of those things, would we not hear Mike Rodak smacking his lips before he uh, begins every thought? It's
2: supposed to work that way, but with him, if you're doing it in silence, you're going to get it anyway. Yeah. We'd but, have to uh, put it in, in Mike's, Mike's it.
0: mouth. Yeah, okay. Can I can think it's sock would a work, work too. Can please? Is that what if you if call dental dam? If I cut that, dam? yours is going off, too. So. I don't care. <laughs> cut <laughs> that.
3: But I, he has I, a cough No, no, no. Not cut his mic. I mean, cut that bite. Oh, take it out. buttons don't work. That box right there, should lead our show. All
1: right.
0: Um, so no, I do think that when I so when I hear about a team or you know or just the general uh, pushback from media people that I follow on Twitter, the pundits, uh, the people who are uh, be sports thought media leaders, uh, and they are upset with Team X not signing Colin Kaepernick. My first thought used to be, you know what, I agree with that. But enough time has passed that now my first thought is, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't sign him because you'd need to bring him in in training camp. You'd need to bring him in over the summer. You'd need to bang the rust off. Now, you could say the same thing about Derrick Anderson, too. But Derrick Anderson was being brought in to fill a totally different need. Uh, And then when you're getting down to it with Matt Barkley, like we said at the beginning of the show, you're putting Nathan Peterman out there against the Chicago Bears defense, perhaps with Khalil Mack on the field. You probably are thinking to yourself, There's a healthy chance that whoever we sign this week is going to have to play.
3: Sure. I I think that's a factor, but I think the overriding factor has to be the the big picture issue for the NFL uh, and and for ownership. I don't think Terry Pagula would care as much about whether Colin Kaepernick played in the preseason or not compared to everything else that would come along with his signing.
0: Maybe. We don't know. We haven't been able to ask. Terry or Pagula get to the bottom hasn't of it. done an interview. And in, even if in we were to ask time. Terry Pagula about it, I don't know that we would get the genuine, no. unvarnished thoughts of an NFL owner on Colin Kaepernick. He would be speaking, knowing full well that the other 31 owners and the commissioner uh, are going to know, or, uh, also have had their input. They've had discussions in large rooms, all included. Uh, so whatever Terry Pagula thinks, I don't know that we would necessarily hear. I think we would hear what the league. Thanks, or it has told its owners it is wise to say. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to have Kevin Fishbane from the Athletic Chicago. We're going to talk about the Bears, uh, what Khalil Mack is up to in this matchup on Sunday. We're going to get, uh, I guess, an injury update on Khalil Mack, um, the latest uh, from the Bears and Mitch Trubisky and the whole thing. Uh, when we come back with Chris Baker in studio for the full two hours, we're going to have Sabres talk with Chris and. Um, Jonah Bronstein, Mike Rodak, Bobby Rosati on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Great tune, great band. This is the Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This song is on uh, MLB 18. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, it's a good tune. There's some good songs on that game. Do you know it? You're looking at me crazy, Chris. No, I don't. I can't hear it, though. Help help me out though. I don't know the name. I don't know the title of the Evil song. Evil
2: has landed. Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, uh, I do know that. Too. Came
0: out last year. I do know yeah. that
1: too. I just I'm not equipped. Yeah.
0: All oh, right. There's also. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just want to say, Greta Van Suster
1: Oh yeah. Greta
0: Van Fleet is also on uh, uh-huh. MLB 18. Although this, the Queen of the Stone, this might be uh, MLB 17. This must be might be last
2: year. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it did come out last year. So, um, that album.
0: You're listening to the Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan, here in studio with uh, the big crooked Mike Rodak, uh, having some technological problems here. Supp- oh, Supplying he's, headphones. associate uh, um, producing right now. Yeah. And uh, Chris Baker. Backup headphones. Daddy Bakes from The Athletic. We're going to talk some Sabres with him throughout the show. Jonah Bronstein, handling things for Facebook Live. Jonah Bronstein of the Buffalo News, handling things for not Facebook Live, Twitter, we're on Periscope today. Periscope. We've switched over. we switched platforms. Mm-hmm. We're, we're uh, feeding the people what they want.
4: We go where the audience is.
0: Yeah, the audience wants us on Twitter. So there we are on the Periscope. Bobby Rosati diddling the knobs for us, uh, handling the board and, and other knobs. Kevin Fishbane covers the Chicago Bears for the Athletic Chicago. He's joining us here. I've known Kevin for a number of years. Pleased to be a teammate of his, and uh, if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, let's say you signed up because you wanted to read Matthew Fairburn, Tim Graham, John Vogel, Joe Yurden, Chris Baker, Lindsey Darkangelo, Eric Wood, Joe Licata, Ryan Stimson, Cover One. I mean, that's a pretty good stable, I think, just for
5: yeah.
0: say The so. Athletic Buffalo. And then you also get the other city sites and team sites Right along with the package. So if you're a Khalil Mack fan and you want to know what's going on with Khalil Mack, you just flip over to the Chicago page and you read what Kevin Fishbane has to say. Kevin, thanks for joining us.
5: Thank you, Tim. Yeah, it's a it's a fun part of the athletic. Uh, you know, we get to be teammates and uh, you know promote each other's work.
0: Right. We don't have to send a writer to Chicago this week to check in with Khalil Mack for the one time all year. You're there covering Khalil Mack every day. So uh, what's the latest with Khalil Mack? Not only because he's a University at Buffalo star, but he is such a game-changer in the NFL. And even heading into last season, I thought he was the best defensive player in the NFL. Or I should say, uh, yeah, last season. Last season was a bit of a clunker for him. But heading into it, I think he's taken over J.J. Watts' status as the best defensive player in the league. Didn't necessarily show it last year with the Raiders, but then comes to Chicago and is just a hellion, um, but dealing with some injuries. So, what's it been like to have him around, and and what's his state for this week?
5: Yeah, well, I, I think we all kind of got a good sense of how good he is when he did what he did in Green Bay, just in the first half after not practicing football for six months, and then just showing up at at Bears practice that you know that Tuesday after Labor Day or Monday of Labor Day, and. And then he goes into Lambeau field, and it's just a terror. Um, that, that was pretty impressive to see. Um, and then through four games, you can make an argument. He was uh, the, you know, deep, certainly the defensive MVP. And if you wanted to call him the league MVP when the Bears were three and one at that point, you know, I, I'd, I'd listen to that argument. Uh, and then the first, it was the first quarter or early second quarter, of Miami. he rolled his ankle, um, and he wasn't the same the rest of that game. He was limited against New England and dropped in coverage a ton. Uh, so we didn't really see much of him at all. And then he missed his first game of his career. He didn't play last week. Um, the plan, Matt Nagy told us today, is they're going to do the same thing they did last week, which is I imagine he won't practice today. He won't practice tomorrow. Maybe he'll be and he'll be limited on Friday, and they'll hope that he's good to go Sunday. I get the vibe, and, and Tim, I know you spent a little time with him, he seems like the type of guy that's going to really want to play in Buffalo. But like there just seems to be, and I figure he wanted to play Sunday um, uh, against the Jets, but they made, you know, a football, a business decision there with him. Uh, but but I could see him being the type of guy that will want to play uh, in the town of his college. He had
0: a terrible game last year when the Raiders came to town, uh, the the Bills really handled him. He was off the field for large chunks of the game, and I'm not sure exactly what Jack Del Rio was thinking in those situations, but there was there were a couple of series in the second half when he was just standing on the sidelines. So, yeah, he wants to perform in front of his uh, friends, uh, and it will be, I guess, his family, because his brother plays for the University of Buffalo. So uh, I don't know if his family is going to come up from Florida to watch the game. It would make sense. Uh, but, yeah, a homecoming game, you, he wants to make an impression, and he has that... Uh, he wants to get that uh, that game out of his system, for lack of a, mm. a better phrase. I can't uh, think. I mean, I'm sure that as we were mentioned in the lap before the commercial break, you know, Bucky Gleason at the Buffalo News badgered him uh, into giving an interview after that game. He came in surly. You know, he had stuff to prove. A story that I had written about him in the preview section, in which uh, he blew me off after I went out to Oakland, and I didn't take it personally, other than I didn't. Nobody could figure out what his deal was. He was starting to shut off people from Buffalo and didn't want to be. And so, yeah, he came in, had a clunker of a game. So I'm certain that he. And heh, let's face it, Nathan Peterman's going to be the quarterback. It looks like he has to be drooling over the idea of what he can do. And as you mentioned, Kevin. He's already proven that you don't need a ton of practice if you're an edge rusher in the NFL. So much of it is instinctive uh, that he can come in here and uh, and rack up the type of stats that maybe uh, other defensive linemen or pass rushers hope to accumulate over the course of a full season.
5: Yeah, and that's the thing, too, about probably his drive to return is this guy hasn't made a play in over a month. Because, um, again, he didn't do anything in Miami. He didn't do anything against New England. Uh, and they didn't play against the Jets, and there was a bye week in there. So we haven't seen Khalil Mack, you know, hit the quarterback since late September uh, against Tampa Bay. Uh, and as far as um, him in Chicago, it's been kind of interesting. Tim is that um, you know he had his introductory press conference. We could tell right away he was a quieter guy. Um, but just kind of just a, just all football kind of guy. Uh, and then, you know, he would do his once a week in the locker room, and he talked after the first few games. And then after the Miami game that week, he was not uh, interested in, in talking. And then they, he kind of, you know, the PR staff kind of got him to, to chat, it seemed. I wasn't there for it, that, for it that day, but what I heard, he wasn't too thrilled to talk. Uh, and they did not talk after the Miami game. Same thing week leading up to New England, did not talk at all, did not talk after the Patriots game. So, you know, the Chicago media core is a lot different, I believe, than what he faced in Oakland. Um, and that is something he's learning, and he's learning it's a lot easier to handle that when you are the defensive player of the month and your team's 3-1 and one than when you're playing through an injury and your team uh, lost to Brock Osweiler.
0: We're in conversation with Kevin Fishbane. He is of the Athletic Chicago. He covers the Chicago Bears, just for the record, that game last year in Buffalo. Uh, the Raiders lost that game 34-14. to Khalil Mack had exactly two tackles the entire game. He did have a quarterback hit, but that was a stretch for him of five games in which, over that entire span, he had a half sack. So he was struggling for a little bit after getting off to a good start with the Raiders, and his dissatisfaction with what was happening on the defense Uh, a lot of people think led to Jack Del Rio being fired. Uh, Then they bring in John Gruden, who, uh, well, John Gruden traded him because uh, whatever reasons John Gruden had. Uh, But the Raiders could not come to an agreement. I don't know that it was John Gruden's fault that Khalil Mack wasn't going to sign. He certainly felt like he was owed the money. He certainly deserves it. And then uh, comes and shows uh, as soon as he hits the ground with Chicago, that he is uh, the big reminder that he is uh, a demon on the defensive side of the ball and probably worth every penny. So, uh, Kevin, uh, what do you think of this matchup? The Bears have been playing pretty well. The offense seems to be clicking. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky seems like he's uh, really working his way into that role as a franchise quarterback. Uh, what's your sense from from Chicago?
5: Yeah, well, they they didn't. It was kind of an ugly win over the Jets, and the Jets tend to make you play like that. Um, and I think Buffalo should be able to take a few pages from that game plan in terms of the defensive side of the ball, um, because this Bears offense it just it, some it just takes them a little bit to get going. Uh, it seems you know the Tampa Bay game was uh, at least right now. I don't want to call it a fluke. Um, But it was a little bit of an aberration because they just the Tampa Bay defense was just atrocious when Mitch lit them up. Um, But this is a Bears offense that has a lot of different ways they can beat you, and Matt Nagy is certainly very creative play caller, and Sean McDermott knows that well. They were in Philadelphia together. Um, However, uh, Mitch's accuracy has been a real issue, Um, and it's not the way I describe it is when he misses, he really misses. Like there's not a lot of drops. For the Bears. It's incomplete passes that are going into the bleachers or are going to the other team. Um, and it, it happened in the first half against the Jets, and then he calmed down, and he had a really good second half. Very efficient. Um, so this Bills defense, I think, um, and actually, Tim, your colleague Matt Fairburn talked about this on uh, our kind of Bears podcast we do here. Um, the, the Bills defense has what it takes to really confuse and befuddle Mitch Trubisky and kind of take the Bears offense out of sync. Um, it hasn't taken a ton to do that. Uh, but it's hard for me to see how Buffalo does anything against the Bears' defense, even if Cleo Mack is not playing or not at 100%. Um, they totally stymied the Jets last week uh, and you know with, with, the, with the Nathan Peterman show, uh, or Matt Barkley, who, Tim, this might be funny to people in Buffalo. There was a brief time in November of 2016 that Bears fans legitimately thought Matt Barkley was the future in Chicago. And that is how bad things got at the quarterback position in Chicago. And Mark Back, Matt Barkley had a string of three games where he threw for like 350 yards. I think they were all losses, too. Um, and and there, were, there was actually some Matt Barkley euphoria in town. So there's a lot of people in Chicago kind of uh, interested in the subplot of a potential Matt Barkley sighting on the field on Sunday. And
0: that
1: was just a year and a half ago.
5: Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, but to your point, okay, so if Mack doesn't dominate, to Kevin's point, like Akeem Hicks in the middle, right, the kid from Regina, he's plenty capable of being a disruptive force and, and toying and, you know, throwing some interference into the radar of whoever is behind center for the Bills, right?
0: Yeah. Well, let's stay on that, Kevin. Actually, I mean, we're talking about Khalil Mack because of the local interest, but let's say Khalil Mack doesn't play because I think that the great fear of the Bills fans heading into this game is just Nathan Peterman against whatever. And so the belief is, all right, so if we are stuck with Nathan Peterman, then the defense that we're going up against is fill-in-the-blank. Like how, how how manageable can this be for any quarterback, let alone for Nathan Peterman?
5: You know, one of the problems with uh, evaluating the Bears is I-, I always have to preface everything with they lost to Brock Osweiler. So it's not like they are completely, you know, like they're not world beaters because they lost to Brock Osweiler. I understand it was Brocktober, but and it was in <laughs> Miami, but that that was embarrassing. So there are holes in that defense, but they kind of figured things out last week and they've taken the ball away at a much higher rate than they did last year. I think the Bears are second in the league right now in takeaways, and they've only and they already had their bye week, um, and you know they have eleven interceptions. Uh, which matches, which has actually exceeded their past two years combined, or around their past year and a half combined. So they could take the ball away. You mentioned Akeem Hicks. They got Eddie Goldman, who could push the pocket. Leonard Floyd does not have a sack yet, and that's a former first-round pick who is just kind of pinning his ears back trying to get that first one. So it's going to come at some point. Um, you just kind of have to have to see him. It. It, it probably will be this week. So uh, Kyle Ford, Princeton McAmara, Bryce Callahan, Their corners are very good. Um, the, the way to beat the Bears' defense is the quick passing game. Get the ball out quick and hope for bad tackling, which is what, the, what happened in Miami. The Bears could not tackle when they were in Miami.
0: You mentioned Leonard Floyd there and whether or not uh, he can get his first sack this week. And, you know, it seems like, well... There's all kinds of ways uh, to get to the Bills quarterback. We've seen it uh, through the first eight weeks. Do you sense an energy today? I know that Wednesday is really the first day that you get around these guys where they're focused on the upcoming opponent as opposed to the previous game. What um, what what do you sense about these guys as they're thinking? We we may get even if we get Derek Anderson, uh, the fact we might get Mac Barkley. I don't know. Are they? Is there giggles uh, going on about what the hell's going on in Buffalo? Uh, the fact that there are no receivers to throw to. I know that there's a diplomatic uh, part of uh, talking about the upcoming opponent on the record, but what, what's just your sense of what the locker room mood was like today about the upcoming opponent?
5: Yeah, um, they I, – and I know this is like the fourth time I've gone back to my game in Miami, but I think they – that was a big wake-up call for them about that they they can't just expect to win – um, you know, when they, Matt Nagy talked today, that he said if anybody comes in here and thinks that we could just walk away with a victory, they should leave the building right now and go home. So he's been drilling that to them. Did anybody um, leave? He was <laughs> a couple of reporters left. <laughs> I see. Um, the, uh, but he's been drilling that for them. And then uh, I think, too, uh, especially because of the NFC North connection, everyone in that building knows exactly what happened in Minnesota. And he talked about that Minnesota game with us today. Um, and, and I think the players, too. And, guys, you know, as good as the Bears have looked this year, this is a franchise. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because it doesn't match what the Bills have gone through. But the Bears have not been in the playoffs since 2010. They've been in last place for more consecutive seasons than the Cleveland Browns. Nobody inside that building should take anything for granted. They've been pathetic uh over the years, uh past few seasons. And and yes, they've seemed to have turned the corner. They have the right coach. And And real, to have and real the right quick Kevin, I
0: think it should be pointed out that they can share the Bills fans fragile psyche about the other quarterback in the division because it's been Brett Favre followed by Aaron Rodgers since, you know, we can remember almost. And the Bills fans have been dealing with we'll never get past Tom Brady. So there is that, you're, you're automatically heading into a season thinking, we're playing for second at best.
5: Oh, for sure. And, and there, there's that little brother thing, that obviously, with, with Green Bay. And, and even there's Bear fans will tell you they would have loved to have Matthew Stafford for seven years instead of Jay Cutler. Uh, so it, it's just kind of the way things have gone around here. And, and what's actually funny, guys, is the, the week one game, the Bears lost the Bills in Chicago in 2014, was kind of the beginning of this string I'm talking about. They, that was an embarrassing loss for the Bears. Kyle Williams got his first ever interception. Fred Jackson stiff arm Chris Conte into the next week uh, in overtime, and EJ that Maddie was a Bears, Bears for a touchdown. Yep, Good yep, and, and that was that was a Bears team that people legitimately thought was going to win ten. It's 11 the birth games of the
0: Duggernaut. Game. That's
5: right. Yep, and then they went five and eleven. They fired everyone, and they have not been out of last place since before that game. So, uh, well, obviously until this season. Uh, so I can't imagine that the that the Bears players and coaches, again, because you all they have the Miami game very fresh in their memory, are having any issues, uh, you know, in terms of looking past Buffalo.
0: Kevin Fishbane, thanks. I guess one last point, just to mention before uh, before we let you go. As much as we talk about the Bears defense, they have been outscoring their opponents by fifty points this year. Of course, uh, the fourth quarter though, pretty. Pretty damning. 71-47, to the Bears are getting outscored in the fourth quarter, but lighten it up everywhere else by by plus 50 points. That's not too shabby.
5: No, it isn't. Now, there have been some defensive touchdowns thrown in there, uh, but, yeah, this offense has been significantly better than we're used to in Chicago. Mitch has a lot to do with that. Tariq Cohen's been a great weapon for them. Taylor Gabriel's having a good season. Um, And the offensive line is going to be without Kyle Long this weekend. But the offensive line is playing really well uh, too. So yeah, I mean these guys can score. And one of the things about this Bears team is they're going every game they play is probably going to be a one-score game at least. Um, You know it's going to be around there if they're even if they're losing. So you know, but the thing is, is I could see I I could see Sunday's game being very ugly if Buffalo can play to their rhythm and really you know kind of mess with Mitch Trubisky. Like it could be a really ugly like a like a twelve to six kind of game. You know so. Uh, for those of you who are, you know play for fun, hammer that under, whatever it is, for Bears-Bills. That would be my prediction.
0: Hammer the under. We will talk about that with Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas uh, later on in the show. Uh, we'll test that with him. I have a feeling he'll agree because we've been talking about unders, uh, well, quite a bit, as you can imagine. Uh, he's Kevin Fishbane. Follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. And uh, read his work at The Athletic. If you subscribe to The Athletic... Uh, Flip over to get your Khalil Mack and your Bears coverage. Uh, If you're a Bills fan and you want to see what's going to happen on Sunday, uh, read his work there. Uh, Tremendous writer and uh, thrilled to call him a teammate. Kevin Fishbane, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tim. I'll see you Sunday. All righty, take care. Safe travels. Um, When we come back, some more Sabres talk with Chris Baker, who's in studio for the entire show. As I did mention, we're going to talk to Joel Staniszewski about the betting uh, aspects of this game and uh, UB football. We're going to talk uh, more Bills. We're going to get after it on the Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285 9555 or visit him on the web at ViolaCummingsLindsay.com. One more phone number I'm going to throw at, throw at you here. The phone lines are open. If you want to talk Bills, Sabres, UB football, whatever, smack us up. 716 270 1270. Mike Rodak giving me a dirty look.
3: Smack us up.
0: Yeah. Give us, a, give us a ring. All right. Whatever you want to do. Phone lines is open. 716-270-1270. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to The Tim Graham Show presented by Viola Cummings & Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285 955 55 Visit him on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Find him on Twitter at VCL Niagara. You're listening to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Phone lines are open. If you want to talk Bills, Sabres, UB football, call us up, smack us up. Smack Rodak up. Yes. Yeah. 270-1270 is the phone number. That's a 716 area code. 716-270-1270. Joined in studio for the entire show by Chris Baker of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Sabres Prospects. And the reason his Twitter handle is at Sabres Prospects is because this guy knows everything about the Sabres from top to bottom. That guy in Europe that they drafted four years ago and haven't signed, he knows what he's up to. Chris Baker knows. He knows what's going on down in Rochester. He knows what's going on with the – What's the most obscure minor league team I can come up with? Oof. The Idaho Steelheads, are they still around? Yeah, Coast League. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to
1: be a bulldog. Not right? that
0: they're an affiliate of the Sabres. I was just... <laughs> Former uh, head coach Clint Malarczyk, I believe, of the Idaho Steelheads.
1: I think he did a tour of duty there. Yes, he yeah, did. A little bit of work with the Las Vegas Wranglers, too, perhaps, I think. And the Las point.
0: Vegas Thunder, where he was a player assistant general manager. That's not a he was like Reg Dunlop. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Good old Clint Malarchuk. Owns a, (laughs) owns a. So, Chris Baker, what's your take on the Buffalo Sabres? Because they have a tendency to get the fans excited. Clearly, they're a better team. But they seem also prone to giving the type of performance that
1: makes people throw their hands up and say, maybe things haven't changed after all. Like the third period last night, for example, where they just didn't get in, they weren't tenacious, they lacked that killer instinct last night after having a lead. I think overall, though, what you're seeing with this team is that, you know, if you look just, let's look at October year over year from last year, they're a much better team year to date. They're a lot more fun to watch. They're fun to watch. They're faster.
0: When they give up the first goal, the game's
1: not over. Well, that's it. You know, the past couple of years, they were a team that learned how to lose, and I think if you look at you know the Anaheim game, uh, they had like a couple games there really, where they, and they came back, they won one where they were down again. They're learning how to win games, are clawing back, they're not giving up um, now. But that that's it though. You know, two steps forward, one step back. Like last night, they couldn't close out a game, and so is you're, the
0: danger, Chris, in saying last night's loss is some sort of a relapse. A here we go again, it's uh, indicative that things haven't changed, or is it just circumstantial that sometimes you're going to have these games? I guess, My question is, I guess, from uh, is,
1: it, is it carryover from last year, or is this a totally new team? And I think it's a totally new team, totally different attitude and a positive direction, but they're still a young team. And they're still kind of, you know, figuring out how to play together, frankly. I hate to say it because it's like a cliche. You know, they got to learn how to play together. But uh, they juggled some lines. I mean, the lines that they have in place right now, they've only had for, what, four or five games. And it was a turning point when they were out west, when they put Eichel with Skinner and um, Pominville. They Skinner? moved the old man up, you know. But, I mean, that kind of changed things around. So... Um, they're going to have really good games and they're going to have really disappointing games. That's just a fact of the matter with a young team, but the you know, the fact that they still got a point last night, they're not squandering those early season points away like they did the past couple of years. So that's like a, it's it's a positive move. And there's been a lot of acquisitions that they've made that have improved the room, improved the attitude of the guys and improved the on-ice product.
0: Where are they on goaltending? Carter Hutton seems to have been a beneficial signing, but let's take a look at it just beyond Carter Hutton because it doesn't just uh uh, let's go through the depth of the organization. Where do you think they are at, the game's most important position?
1: So I'm glad you said it is the game's most important position, because I totally agree with you. I think if you look year over year again, you had Robin Leonard last What's year.
0: What's other people say? It's center?
1: Oh, yeah, they just want, you know, it's like, you know, it's a goal scorer. Contrarian. People want to see the entertainment. They're, it's not a very entertaining position, goaltending, you know, but it is. It's a last line of defense, and it's important. Um, but I think, that you know, Hutton has been um, great for the room, great for Linus Almark, who's a young goaltender, cutting his teeth right now in his first season as an NHL rookie. Stopping pucks. Um, he's got a good demeanor, very respected with his teammates, and that matters. Um, you know, last year, Robin Leonard, snap case, Tim Murray regime, wouldn't sharpen his skates, and it showed. Couldn't close his five hole, couldn't go side to side. I mean, it was kind of a, you know, kind of sloppy. You know, so you have a much more put together goaltender this year, and he made some key saves last night. Even when they're losing games, he's making key saves. So leaps in, in, you know, leaps ahead of where they were last year. Organizationally, too, when you look at you know what they have going on in Rochester, Scott Wedgwood was a free agent signing. He's kind of holding the fort down as the number one guy down there. He's a capable guy if you needed to call him up and plug some minutes for you, say if you had a, an injury at the position. And they got some young talent developing in the Ontario League. A Finnish kid who Sabres fans could watch at the World Junior Championship later this winter, Uka Pekka Big kid, moves well, sees the game well. Still young and raw a little bit, but I mean, the future looks much better now than it did a year or two ago in goaltending.
0: Yeah, it was just being slapped together. And that was the problem. Well, it's been the problem with Buffalo sports going back way too long. And as much as people want to um, be cynical about Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, there is a plan in place. For the first time in a long time, it's not a situation where either team is making it up as it goes along. You know, Darcy Regeer, as frustrating as he may have been, he at least planned things out until, you know, Larry Quinn and Tom Galassano came in and detonated everything that he kind of painstakingly put together. The guy finally put together a winner. And then yeah. because of uh, whatever, hubris. Uh, yeah. They decided they couldn't keep uh, Briere and Drury, even though they could have if they would have worked out the math. Anyways, now I'm going down a no, rabbit. No, but there hole. is but, direction. But there, now. yeah, Tim Tim Murray. There was, yeah, there was splash. There was like, wow, like he's look at this, and he doesn't, uh, you know, DGAF. Tim Murray, God, right. I love it. Yeah, uh, Robin Leonard, look at him. He's he's giving that guy a a stare down. He's he's all, well, I to say, crazy eyes. I mean, I don't want to try to be flipping about it, but people were into the fact that. Wow, this Leonard guy, you don't know what he's going to do until, well, then you find out that it's just, there's nothing <laughs> below the surface. Yeah. But right. now, I'm not talking Leonard, but the entire organization. Well, now there's actually a system. They're winning in Rochester, which I think was the key to people uh, when they look at how the Toronto Maple Leafs were able to pull out of their, um, uh, you know, being at the bottom of the standings. It wasn't just Austin Matthews, it was the fact that they had a strong, team at the Toronto Marlies were winning and they had guys that were capable of playing at the NHL level the Sabres when they lost all their games and got Jack Eichel had nobody nobody ready to call so they had to slap something together
1: yeah it seems like that was their only plan and that's kind of why I go back to the point where there is direction now and they're not done either I mean if Jason Botterill sees a move that he can make right now to make the team better not just this year but next year two years beyond now he's going to make the move um, but they're drafting better it's a combination of making acquisitions at all levels of the organization. So we touched upon Rochester a little bit. I mean, they brought some guys over. They signed some free agents. They, they got some veterans in the fold down there, and it's all leading to success at all levels of the organization. Uh, the Sabres right now, I think, are a success, okay? Even though they're not at the top of the standings, um, the moves that they made, whether it's the Skinner trade, getting a goaltender, um... You know, drafting Rasmus Dahlin, frankly, which is beautiful, by the way, you know, because they tried to win and they still stunk and they got one of the best players outside of the NHL in the organization. You know, it's like karmic justice in a That's way. That's why I like the idea <laughs> of
0: Rasmus Dahlin. I'm not saying in terms of the player, but the fact that they got him honestly right, is what makes him, I think, a unifying figure on this team. I think as, as fun as Jack Eichel is to watch, as talented as he is— there's still, I think, a segment of the fan base that kind of felt wrong for having him. And maybe even some people were rooting against him because they were so in against the tank. They, they really didn't won't. want the tank, yeah. so they, they didn't want Jack Eichel to work out. Uh, so Darlene, everybody
1: can get behind Darlene, right? Right. No, exactly. And he's a great kid, too. Okay, but you no, know, you're right though. They did. They brazenly tanked, and they didn't get the first overall pick either of those years. The the fact that they tried to win and they still stunk and got this great player, um, it makes it a little more digestible for the entire fan base with Dalene.
0: Right. But um, and you can take your time with him, you know. Similar to, I guess, I hate to keep bringing up football analogies, but I think fans would rather have not seen Josh Allen this year. Yeah, they were tempted to want to see him, but it would have been better had they had. A.J. McCarron or competent quarterback play that would allow uh, Allen to stay on the sideline for a year. Well, Dahlien, there's no reason to rush. He doesn't have to be great right away, whereas Eichel did have to be great right away because he was the most important person in the entire organization,
1: even more so than Tim Murray or even Terry Pagula maybe at that time when he came in. He was their whole on-ice plan, Eichel was, when he got here, but he was also their entire marketing strategy. Everything was about Jack Eichel. He was bigger than the team. Immense talent, or uh, immense pressure yes to match the talent frankly on his shoulders when he came here out of the box but um, with Darlene you know he's good enough to be up here okay he's going to make mistakes he's going to turn pucks over things like that they're going to happen but he is so good that he's good to do the on-the-job training at the NHL level conversely though these kids that are in Rochester that are having success Victor Olofsson Ghouli starting to play better a young defenseman some of these other young guys that are lighting up Lawrence Pilot he's fourth overall as a defenseman in AHL scoring let them stay down there and cook as long as they can because they're yeah. going to be more useful to the team when they do come up here. So, What's
0: the line, though, Chris? What do you think is the line, that temptation of let's get these guys up here, get them more seasoning, maybe expedite their development at the NHL level, uh, help the Sabres win versus no.
1: We have time. We don't need you here yet. Stay down there. Maximize your AHL development. It's all about minutes. These guys can see more minutes and more situations in a very good league. The AHL is a very competitive, it's a developmental league, but it's a very competitive league. Let the guys stay down there, play bigger minutes, have a bigger role. They're going to be more useful by the time you need them in Buffalo. And I uh,
2: think the last time, sorry, the last time the Sabres were great, well, when I was alive, they took that approach. Pominville, Derek Roy, Paul Gostad, all, Paul, Pat Coletta, all those guys came up, uh, Clark MacArthur, all came up through the system. And, they had the and benefit of the well. lockout where they well, had, right.
0: they you couldn't bring them up anyway. Absolutely. But they, you forced them it
2: was a to good stay system. down
0: there good, and... Get become good teammates, right. you know. Get to know each other, learn to win together.
2: Yeah, it's a great point.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can only bury a Matt Molson. You can only do that like one time a year. You're not going to have a Victor Olson jump out at you, and, and you're going to send a guy with a contract down. You're going to you know pay him three million bucks to play in Rochester. It's not going to happen.
0: Chris Baker of the Athletic. He's going to be here for another hour. Follow him at Sabers Prospects for more analysis. And he knows everything. He's not just a hockey guy. When we come back, we're going to talk more football. UB getting some more bills. Mike Rodak is feverishly is there something going on that you're no, getting into? Not really. He's looking up hockey. He was how to talk hockey. On, he checked on out for that entire <laughs> segment and my Breaking guess was Rodag. is that he was working on something, but no, he just Nothing. decided to take a segment off.
3: That's not totally true. I was slouching and I was expecting you to call me out for not respecting the process like uh Matt Patricia did to a reporter today in Detroit who was slouching while asking a question. But no, what happened yeah, was... That's no,
0: ex- actually, explain that. Rather than doing a fly... I mean, that was Matt I mean, Patricia, yeah, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, yeah. re- refused to ask answer a question from a Lions reporter today until the reporter stopped slouching and showed better posture, essentially, mm-hmm. and then asked the question with better posture.
2: Nice. Says the guy who chews on his beard. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he is not aesthetically pleasing.
0: No, no. I, you know, and this is the type of thing where if anybody listening, they wouldn't know. Yeah, and they would say, "Oh, yeah, sure, you would." I would. I would enjoy the opportunity if a coach were to say that to me. And I think there are people in this room that would have zero doubt as to what might happen. <laughs> That would uh, – or they'll, even going back to when Tom Coughlin used to – you couldn't take a knee or lean or anything back at Giants practice. You had to stand if you were a reporter. I mean, you know what? I don't work for you.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't work
0: for the Giants.
1: Yeah, and I'm I not disrespecting for, you yeah. by getting comfortable.
0: Yeah, you know what? Maybe I – I would think about the elder, like older reporters. There are elderly reporters here in Buffalo that cover the bills. <laughs> I wonder if, you know, what if he needed elderly to,
1: well, I mean, they're, they're they're close. Yeah, I think I think I know. I mean, you're what about. if,
0: what <laughs> if those people needed to lean against a wall or something while covering the team, or take a knee or something? Or I mean, come on, I mean, just,
1: people have needs. But what was the quote that that writer had on? Oh, Darren Gantt? Yes,
3: yeah. Uh, On PFT. I wish I had. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it. it. We'll tease it. We'll tease it. So
0: we'll have that. Yeah, we're going to get into Matt Patricia. Maybe we'll get into mugshot etiquette. We talked about it a little bit last week. What you're supposed to do when you get caught hurling a dildo onto the field and you get arrested. Should you smile in that picture? That guy looked like he looked really sad.
2: Oh, too bad.
0: I know. Got a smile on those mug shots. If they're going to end up on the news, you got to make it seem like a regular pictures. Is that what a dildo sounds like when it hits the field? I think so. That's, That's what I the imagine. sound I... effect for it. It says right there. It says "rubadonga." Yeah, sound effect. More Chris Baker, more Mike Rodak, more Jonah Bronstein, and you. Call in. Those phone lines is open. For the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call two eight five nine five five five. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. The Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio, 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to The Tim Graham Show, hour number two, Halloween edition. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit the firm on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, joined by my usual Big Crooked co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Jonah Bronstein firing up this bad boy on Periscope. You can catch it on Twitter. If you happen to be listening in your car right now and you want to go back and uh, watch the video, treat it uh, as a podcast-type thing, or you just want to look at us, maybe you're into that kind of thing.
4: I hope there's not people wandering around Facebook looking for us. I doubt it.
1: I I think we're okay. You shouldn't have got kicked off of Facebook, Jonah.
4: (laughs) By the bots.
0: Chris Baker of – well, he's of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Sabres Prospects, which tells you what he's into. But he does it all. Doesn't tell you everything. (laughs) No, it does not. It does not. One of my favorite things about joining The Athletic is getting to know Chris Baker uh on a bar stool we are brothers we have from a, another mother man we have a good time we do we have a lot of uh shared sensibilities
1: or non-sensibilities non-sensibilities but they are
0: they're shared they are shared bobby Rosati diddle in the knobs for us as he's been doing he's in year three as the producer of the tim graham show
3: is that already three years
0: yeah this is the wow. year this is year three yeah Thanks to Viola Cummings and Lindsay, yes. workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, bringing the show back. On Halloween, we could say they brought him back from the dead.
4: It's a zombie show.
0: It is. They supported local content. They wanted to bring this show back.
1: Now, is that your normal bump on the way in? Because that's very spooky yeah. Halloween-ish. So yes, it, it is. That's normal. <laughs> it is normal. But, it, but it you're fits right. today.
0: Hey, speaking of audio that we have... You know, this reminded me of uh, what happened at the game on Monday night with multiple dildos being thrown. Yeah. At least one making it onto the field. Ross Tucker took a picture of one on the sideline. It didn't quite make it onto the field. (laughs) And I saw a video of a third, but I couldn't (laughs) confirm if that was original to Monday night or if it had happened at the previous two games. Because this is now three Patriots games in a row in which dildos have been thrown on the field. But it reminded me... Because there were there wasn't a dildo. There were multiple dildos that Dimitri Martin has a bit, the com, the comic Dimitri Martin, mm-hmm. who in my house is known as Ice Bear. If uh, anybody out there listening is into, uh, or has kids who are into We Bear Bears, he is the polar bear. Oh, he's a voice. Yes. So they notice that right away? No, no, you can't. They wouldn't know Dimitri Martin. But, they, oh, I see. If I, I see. told my kids that this Got guy it. was Ice Bear, it would be a big thing. Yeah which it is. We've I've done it. So anyway, Dimitri Martin had a bit about how you pluralize the word dildo. That Bobby found it for us. Let's go ahead and play it. A breakdown of Hummer owners he says.
2: Jeez, <laughs> I laughed at that the whole the whole time I was cutting
5: that.
0: Chris Baker, if you're ever arrested for throwing a dildo, and you have to have your mug shot taken, uh, do you smile in a mug shot? What's your what's the strategy? Matt I think, I Matt think... um, Matt Fairburn was on last week, and he he was of the belief that you don't smile in a mug shot because it's a serious moment. You should be taking it serious. This is no joke. See, you should Matthew maybe be young. showing some
1: remorse. Okay, Matthew needs to live a little more. I think he's a very young guy, <laughs> right? I think that any photo you get is a—it's a chance for a reusable photo. Okay, I like to smile in my photos. It's a very simple <laughs> equation reusable. for me, regardless of what the circumstances were—whether I'm tossing a dildo or if I'm arrested <laughs> for speeding and or receiving it, a dildo or or <laughs> that probably wouldn't happen. You know, you never know. It might pitching or catching dildos, shared nonsensibilities. But, um, no, I smile. I would smile. Not, like, ridiculous. It wouldn't be one of these obnoxious ones.
0: I would smile for strategic purposes, because if it would ever get out, I could then say, that's not a mugshot. But what, how do you know that's a mugshot? Because then it...
3: Be- what if it says, you know, Los Angeles County Jail Well, the Well, that's, di-
0: that's going to say it regardless of whether you smile or not. But the photo itself, just because somebody gets a hold of the photo doesn't mean that they have all the information that goes with it.
1: I see a camera, I smile. You know, I think that's the bottom line. And you know, and if it looks good, boom, right on my LinkedIn profile. You
0: have uh, you have an f- interesting banner photo on your Twitter page at Sabers
1: Prospects, yes. by the way. Yeah. it's you and Steve O. That's from the Charlie Sheen roast. Wow. The after party, there were a lot. There was a lot of stuff going on. Tell there. us some stories from that. Can you? Can you? So, Steve, so Steve, that picture actually... And how did went, you go? How does this happen? How does um, it come
0: about that you were attending the Charlie Sheen Celebrity Roast on Comedy Central, On right? Comedy
1: Central, yeah. I was at the soundstage and, you know, one of those, uh, whatever, at uh, Universal Studios out there. No, I had a brother who worked for E um, at the time as an on-air personality. He used to go to all those roasts. I happened to take a vacation out there, and we went to the roast, and we, uh, we partied it up pretty good. Now, that photo, though, with Steve... That night, he was adjusting his nose was being reset after running into Mike Tyson's fist. Tyson was one of the roasters. Patrice O'Neill, Anthony Jezelnik was there. You know, it was a really good all-star roster of roasters. Sheen was excellent, and this is when Sheen was at the height of his Sheen dog, you know. But the after party, like Joe Francis was there. There was a lot of there was a lot of fun to be had that night. But Steve was just hanging out, and we were chatting. I was like, I usually don't do this, but your nose is all beaked out. My I, my nose is pretty busted up as well just wanted a wanted a picture and that's like the only time I've ever gotten a picture taken with anyone like you know celebrity type of thing where I bugged somebody and he was totally cool about it you know
0: I've only done it once and it was Dwight Gooden who was my childhood idol because let's see in 84 85 I would have been 13 14 years old when he was a teenage phenom with the Mets and that was the guy who I could amazingly when I'm 14 and he's 19 my brother was eighteen at the time. I'm thinking I could know that guy. Like I could, I could actually say, like I could. I imagine being on a mound in Wrigley Field or at Shea Stadium. Right. Here, this guy is a 19-year-old dominating. So anyway, he captured my imagination. I'm sitting at the airport uh, at the at the uh, Anchor Bar at the Buffalo Airport, and four seats down, I look and there's Dwight Gooden, and I'm thinking, what the hell is Dwight Gooden? It was November of 2016 hmm. and I'm thinking what the hell and so it sure enough it was him like I went and I said I did the whole are you Dwight Gooden thing which was odd because I just couldn't believe him. and so yeah I got my picture taken with Dwight I had to that was like a had to thing but I, I don't do uh, like run into somebody and say I need a selfie what was he doing in Buffalo he, there was some autograph signing that he was doing okay. and he was brought in and, um, and a dummy because I know his history he's you know alcoholic right. and coke and uh, when he drinks is when he really goes you know like he can, he can drink he can hold he can handle his alcohol period but when he drinks he wants to use crack and mm-hmm. co- and whatever and so what do i do i say can i buy you a drink <laughs> and i wasn't thinking and he like the look on his face he's like no nah, i'm good and i'm like
1: ah no, that was stupid <laughs> yeah he, you, you know you were just treating him like a guy
0: right you know? That's true
1: that probably happens a lot to him probably to go out probably you know, he probably yeah. left people, people right. on a people
0: party want to buy him a drink right yeah just right. to see what happens you were going to say mike no i was Speaking thinking crooked, mike
3: of it. um which former met spoke to the bills it was daryl strawberry not dwight gooden yes so not many dykstra on. no
1: not mackie sasser those were great teams, by the way, that uh, I don't want to spin off onto a tangent, but I was thinking about those Mets teams last night, like when Jeff Perlman wrote that book, The Big Guys I could guys probably
0: won. give you that, I could go around the entire field and tell you who played what position. And their backups. Including the
1: platoons, yes. Yep. Magadan and Elster, right? You can do them all. And Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to 86, which would have been, at second base, would have been um, Tuffle and Wally Back, Right. And then shortstop would have been Raphael Santana and Kevin Mitchell sometimes. Kevin Mitchell played, what? Third also with Ray Knight. 14 positions or something like that. Yeah. It was good times. Howard Johnson was on that team, Mm -hmm. also played some third. Yeah.
1: Love that team. That was fun. That was a great team.
0: So, um, yeah, smile for your mugshot. If you ever find yourself in an unfortunate situation, you will think of this and say, you know what? Daddy Bakes and Tim Graham told me to smile. I'm going to smile. It seems silly to do um maybe the officer will even make fun of you for smiling who knows would rodak smile or no we didn't did we get his take what on would us? you well i think he would take our advice i think he would know right
3: i feel like this is the uh the scene from remember the titans with uh who was it who's the actor
0: denzel washington denzel.
3: oh yeah that guy where he's like why are you smiling you think football is fun I don't know. I, I wanted to smile. I, I think Is that your just, black guy
0: impersonation?
3: No, it's just my Denzel Washington <laughs> oh, impersonation. I, I don't know. I've never been arrested. I don't plan on being arrested. It's not...
0: You never know what might happen. I you occupy
3: my mind space.
0: Maybe you decide that you're going to get involved in politics, and you're involved in a peaceful protest, and the no. police come and decide to start clearing people out. And you get uh, thrown in cuffs, and...
3: Politics can be messy. My uh there's a kid who lived on my floor freshman year in college who after he graduated became the mayor of Fall River, Massachusetts. And he was just indicted a few weeks ago for um some sort of financial fraud essentially. Sure. So
1: Providence College. It's tough, man, Fugit. yeah. yeah know, just just felons. Not a great
3: day for the uh, the class of 2013.
0: Not a great day? It was just one guy? Why? Did something else happen to the class of 20? What, did, what happened no, to you? I mean, did something no, happen to you? Nothing, nothing happened to me. <laughs> Felony charges are but, a big deal Show me about. on this yeah. doll what happened to you.
3: No, no. It wasn't anything like that. I see.
0: Well, you never know. I say smile. Make it look like a driver's license photo. That's right. I'm with you, man. I can tell a story about a time I had my mug shot taken. It was actually pretty funny. So I was a freshman in college. I was 18 and bought beer with a fake ID. And uh, was uh, pulled out. I wasn't driving. I was in the passenger seat. And a buddy of mine and I both got arrested for underage uh, purchasing of alcohol. And they brought us into the station and took our mugshots. And they took it from like a lower angle. So on my photo, I think I'm 6'8" because the the, the uh, measuring that they had behind me is wrong and and then i ha- have uh, a shadow so it looks my hair looks even so i uh, i'm like six eight in the picture <laughs> and the only thing i rem- well i remember everything clearly from that night um we hadn't gotten started yet we just, we just bought it so i remember oh everything <laughs> uh so the uh, police are tra- – they're taunting me the entire time like, oh, what? I don't know because it was a- – the suburb that we bought the beer in was kind of an upper – like a middle upper class. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we were some rich kids and in- college kids in some poor town or anything and they just kept saying, boy, what would your parents who are paying your tuition think about this? And they're just saying the things, knowing that I am on nothing but s- scholarships and student loans. Like my my dad was a cop. In fact, <laughs> my mom barely worked uh we did not have money and so they're just trying to oh boy i bet you they'd be ashamed and so they went to call my parents and i'm like hey i'm 18 i'm an adult like and they i had to tell them like the what the rules are i'm like you don't call my parents like i'm gonna yeah it's like you're a shotgun. yeah camp. like they were like going to call and yeah. have me picked up uh mr and mrs graham your son's down here and <laughs> so i just had to yeah i thought that was kind of funny wow. did they did they call? No, they stopped, and they're like, yeah, you're right.
3: Did you cite Ohio law, chapter and verse?
0: No, I didn't know it. Oh. I just know that I'm 18, and it's nobody else's business right. if I get- uh, hey, You're charged as an to adult. Start call- yeah, I was an adult. Except for the newspaper. I think it was a $70 ticket or something like that. But did you yeah. smile? I, I don't think I did, but I wouldn't have known to <laughs> that yeah, many years true. ago. $70 yeah.
3: ticket? It was $240 when I looked at my phone at an intersection one time. Really? really it was also five, a nice five, to the road, five points against your license that's yeah
0: that's like that's like drinking and driving yeah, yeah. i mean uh, the hazards of...
3: the dumb part was that i pled guilty like a Ugh. real idiot
0: yeah you want to at least get it knocked down to right. something else which is what my ticket was whatever i bought you know whatever i did with the whole underage drinking i don't yeah. know what they knocked it down to but anyway i think i remember it was 70 bucks and uh yeah, and and
1: Mike uh, called Viola, Viola Cummings and Lindsay. Yes, I mean,
3: mm-hmm. your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 716-285-9555. Visit ViolaCummingsLindsay.com. That's Lindsay with an A on Twitter at VCLNiagara.
0: That's who the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by. You're listening to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Adam, there. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic, joined in studio by my usual co-host, Big Crooked Mike Rodak. He's going to be missing a show coming up. Can we say that? Can we say why? Do you would rather rather not?
3: Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. You don't want to do it now? No, we'll break the news that day. Oh yes, you know have I have a, I have plans. A correspondent in the field.
0: Yes. Have uh, Have you given out warnings yet? to the people involved, that we might be covering this as an event? No. Okay.
3: Let's hope we don't.
0: <laughs> you don't want to? Let's hope we don't cover it?
3: I don't know. We'll see. I'll think about it. It's not uh. up to
0: you. As to, it, You don't get to decide whether or not we cover it.
3: Yeah, it's true. It is a public forum. So, all right.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be covered. Can, can we send, uh, what's his name, William? William Benditson. Can, <laughs> can we send him to do a video on location? I...
3: Yeah. That. <laughs> oh, that would be something. Get him on the, the last jet blue flight of the day.
0: William Benditson from Maven joined us last week. And Sports, and Exchange. Sports Exchange. Patriots <laughs> correspondent for Sports Exchange and Maven. It would be a Boston reunion. It would be. Yeah. With his men- He called me a mentor. Mm-hmm.
1: And
3: I think he's got to go I on think he assignment. considers
0: Mike Rodak a peer.
4: He called Mike a rising star that everybody in Boston is very proud of. Yeah. Our
0: little Mike, he's all grown up. All right, well, we'll decide. Mike's going to miss a show coming up. He has uh, he has something he has to tend to.
4: Mm-hmm. I don't understand why he can't do the show and then go do what he has to tend to.
3: I think the timing will not work out. <laughs> I think that would be a uh, big no-no for me to do.
0: That's why we're going to have to cover it. We yeah. have to cover it live. All right, enough subterfuge. No, subterfuge is in the right word. Enough mm. What do you call? It? What are we saying here? Like uh, nonsense. Not, what is nonsense. <laughs> ambiguity for right. sure. That's ambiguity. right. Let's not give let's clue, it away. Let's clue in the law, the audience to topics that they can actually know of. Mike Rodak out at uh, One Bills Drive today. A lot going on. A new quarterback, Matt Barkley. A new receiver slash quarterback in Terrell Pryor. A new punter, Colton Schmidt, resigned to the team after Corey Bohorquez is put on injured reserve. Um, Lashawn McCoy did not talk today. He usually talks on Wednesdays. That's his one once a week day that he talks. He chose not to today. He was seemed, uh, a little,
3: yeah, it seemed unexpected. Torqued. They the Bills always put um, their Wednesday press conferences on Facebook Live, and there's an alert that gets sent out, and there was one that got sent out today saying Nathan Peterman and Lashawn McCoy press conferences live and. We were all waiting around the podium, and Sean McCoy never came out, and he wasn't in the locker room, and from another reporter who I spoke to in the locker room, he was asked if he was talking today, and apparently more or less said, no way, uh, was I think the the best paraphrasing um, of what he said. So did he say a swear? I think there's a good chance that he did. Again, I I wasn't there, so I don't want to say for sure, Um, but... You know, it was definitely a, a sense of frustration, of emotion from LaShawn McCoy, even going back to Monday night.
0: He was livid Monday night. I'm not even talking about the part in the locker room because I, although I was in the locker room, I was not there for LaShawn McCoy's um, scrum at his uh, locker stall. But there are these two elevators right outside the locker room doors. I was waiting outside the locker for uh, locker room for someone else, and LaShawn McCoy went to get on the elevator And I have never seen him so upset. And he and I have a good relationship to which I, with my arms behind my back, I didn't have a recorder out. It was just a guy asking. I'm like, hey, man, you all right? And he looked at me like the world was coming to an end. And I just didn't, I needed to, (laughs) I needed to get away. Like he wasn't, he wasn't being angry at me. He was just kind of like, don't you get it, man? Like the world's coming to an end he and he and then he uh rather than even wait for the elevator anymore he he ran he uh went over to the stairs to take the stairs cuz he couldn't even stand waiting for the elevator it was he was he was worked up and
3: he, it was a different sort it wasn't really anger that you sensed from him at his locker after the game. I think it was like
0: a wanting to jump out of his own skin because of everything going on with the Bills' offense. The fact that he ran 12 times for 13 yards, had seven negative runs, or seven re- runs of a yard or less, I think. Um, the the loss of Derek Anderson, I mean, I think the whole situation. I mean, this guy knows that he only has a finite yes. career, that he's mm-hmm. on the last legs of his, he's not going to play till he's 40. He's already 30. He's got maybe three good years left. That's, maybe, that might be a stretch, Well, yeah. you see what Frank Gore's doing. You never know. If you if include he gets put, this year, maybe. If but. you get put into a situation where he can be used. But he knows he needs help. He's not going to be a star running back or the, the lead back on a team much longer, if at all. You know, if at if, all. Right, after this year. And it's being wasted. But then he also says he doesn't want to be traded. So... So well, what? So then he's the, so then you're in a situation where the guy is he's he probably just wanted to go scream somewhere to the into the night sky.
3: There was a sadness. It, it, again, it wasn't even anger. It was I mean there were tears in his eyes when he was talking to us Monday night. Um and at one point I asked him, you know, wh- how much do you feel or how much do you um uh, I wish I, I can remember the phrasing of my question, but essentially, how much do you wonder about how your own skills have declined? Is essentially what I was asking, and that's really the first time I think I've asked that, or anybody's really asked that. And he immediately, you know, jumped into, well, you know, I still have it, I can still play, and you know, teams are still game planning against me. I, I'm still the guy they they worry about, and then there was like a, a look where he just kind of. Uh, he was almost trying to convince himself of that, just kind of looking off into space for a second and, and I, I would say almost holding back tears. There was several people in that scrum, and that was the thought of, of many people who came out of it, was, wow, like he looked like he was ready to cry. And it just reminded me of, in a different way, but speaking of Denzel Washington, the movie Training Day. You ever seen Training Day? Yes. And then towards the end, he's out in that apartment complex, and he, he keeps looking around everybody and saying, you know, I'm still the guy. I, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy who runs this town, sort of thing, and that's just the sort of the feeling I got from that. Was, you know, does he even believe what he is saying anymore? Um, I think it's a legitimate question if he is still that player. Obviously, there's so many other factors that go into why he hasn't been good this year, and honestly, parts of last year as well. If you go back to the beginning of last season. There have been 32 running backs in the NFL with 200 or more carries. He ranks 28th among those 32 in yards per carry. So.
1: Where was he entering this season, though? I mean, because there was such a changeover in the line, right? Like he can't like, I guess my question is how much have his skills really diminished? Like, don't he, doesn't he look maybe worse than he really is with that line that can't – I think th- – got guys that can't doubt. pull. And, and the th-
0: style of running back that he is, as opposed to you can look at Chris Ivory and say, well, Chris Ivory's getting it done, but Chris Ivory's a guy who, as Sean McDermott referenced after the game, he hits the hole. Right. right. He doesn't look for the big gain, which, all right, you say, well, McCoy should just hit the hole. But that's not what he does. He's a cutback runner, and this offensive line just isn't conducive. And it's not – So you need – Chris Ivory's the battering ram – just you know charge ahead he's he's not going to have many negative runs but he's all but he's not going to you know he's not going to break break the the big one one. right even though he has he's had a couple of medium-sized runs
3: it it reminds me of the 2014 season for cj spiller and the bills were awful running the ball that year between spiller and fred jackson and that ended up they blew all that up after the year and went out and got shady Or really the offer came to them but CJ Spiller was known as a LaShawn McCoy type of runner who would bounce it outside tackles and make guys miss and he definitely was not a, a you know pound up the middle sort of guy. And you could tell in, in twenty fourteen that it just something was missing from CJ Spiller. He'd run towards the sideline, he'd try to turn the corner and it didn't work. And he tried again and again and again and again and at one point it was just like you gotta stop and the Bills had to stop going to him. And I wonder if we've reached that point with LaShawn McCoy. I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, LaShawn McDermott's language is still, we got to give LaShawn McCoy the ball. We got to give him it more to establish a rhythm. But I feel like at some point, you're only hurting yourself. Entering this past game on Monday night, LaShawn McCoy uh, was averaging 2.7 yards a carry in first halves. So even before late in the game when defenses tend to open up, especially with some of the, the leads that they've built over the Bills this year, when you're talking about trying to establish Duran in the first half, LaShawn McCoy just wasn't doing it. Well, let me ask you game. this,
0: Mike Rodak. So they get creative on Monday night. They come mm-hmm. out on the first series and do direct snap to LaShawn McCoy twice, a direct snap to Chris Ivory once. They did a double flea flicker type play. So Brian Dable trying to get creative. What do you think the addition of Terrell Pryor does? And a lot of people looking at Terrell Pryor and wondering, well, he can play some quarterback as a backup. But keep in mind that they were looking at Terrell Pryor before Derek Anderson got hurt. So are they looking – you have to have inside information on Brian Dable almost here to really answer the question, so we're going to have to guess. But how much do you wonder if Pryor was being brought in as a wildcat implementation
3: i think that could be part of it um from what i was told it's he's a wide receiver that was stressed so um you know look you have there's problems at wide receiver he certainly
0: can help a wildcat situation if you wanted to augment that part of your playbook
3: yeah if you wanted to but i don't think you're gonna win too many games with that i think that's been proven that the wildcat is well, they're
0: it's, not going to win games with Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson either. So right. I think I, I, they're in a situation where the Miami Dolphins were in 2008 when they had Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown. Yep. Uh, and even though they did have Chad Pennington, too, who is a far superior quarterback to anything that the Bills would have, highly accurate quarterback. In fact, he was uh, finished second in voting that year to Peyton Manning for NFL MVP. He had a great season. Now, that said, they needed help and they needed to find a way to get the ball directly to their two best players and the bills if you look at their offense their two best players are probably well it's LaShawn McCoy and Chris Ivory probably and maybe what Zay Jones
3: yeah yeah so that talent. so
0: right so the wildcat may actually be some <laughs> as cuz they're they're out of options right. they're desperate well, and that's what the dolphins were they were desperate at that time they said, "Look, we have nothing else to lose. We're coming off a one and fifteen season. If we want to do anything, let's just see what happens." So the Bills might be in that type of situation. Yeah, where, it eh. may not
3: even be the Wildcat. It just could be end arounds and screen passes, trying to get trail prior to the ball in space. Again, it's it's <laughs> the same.
1: But the screens goes back to their line. They don't have the lineman that can get out and work the screen.
3: I I feel like we heard a lot of the same stuff when they brought in Percy Harvin in in 2015 that, oh, we can do a lot of different things with him. And then he came back, I think it was either two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago when Jim Overdorf and Doug Whaley were sitting around a table wondering how they could fix their wide receiver position. Well, let's bring in Percy Harvin. And then, sure enough, he came in and he was gone a couple weeks later. Literally gone. Like, gone. Um... I don't know. It just it. It's
0: and we've seen good teams can get creative too and bring in guys. Uh, the New England Patriots look like they're turning Cordero Patterson into a running back. The Green Bay Packers have used Ty Montgomery, a receiver at but running back. So it, it, when you're desperate, I think anything's on the table. But
3: here's the thing: are they justified in being desperate in the sense that? Well, hell. Well, right. But let, hear me out. You, you talked to Terrell Pryor today, and a lot of his language. In regards to the Bills, was for instance, just because we had a couple bad games or whatever, we didn't score, that doesn't matter. What matters is this week coming out and competing, holding ourselves to a, a high standard. Just because we lost some games doesn't mean we can't win and put things together. We have to believe. That's where I'm at with it. You guys can call me a BS or a BSer, using the actual word he did. I don't care. That's what I believe. So there's a sense from Terrell Pryor that hey, we still have a chance. Well, in, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, the Bills have a 0.2 percent chance of making the playoffs. So there's there seems to be still a an idea that we still got a chance. We only have six losses. We can always go ten and six. Well, they have
0: to think that way. You they do. Don't, you have don't to think that, that way. They don't look at the analytics like that. But and, so
3: you sign. But you who sign, knows
0: what what. If Pryor being brought in, if he had any other option, which apparently either he, he didn't said, or he's interested in what the Bills have planned for him at, uh, at to be a producer, and you know he's not looking at Nathan Peterman and Derek Anderson and saying, "Yeah, I want to sign up for that." So maybe I'm just—I mean, I'm just for the sake of discussion and thought—maybe there is some sort of package that they say, "Come on in and let's have some fun
3: with." Well, well Terrell Pryor came in today. Sorry to interrupt you, Jonah. He said there's. There were seven teams that are interested in him, and he said the reason why he signed with the Bills was because they made, made, made me feel at home from when I walked in. Even from talking to the cafeteria ladies, they all said well, when I the, walked in, that's Terrell. that's you say. And he said, I don't really care about the record because we can easily, on this next eight games, come together as one, push forward, and make it a great record.
0: And that has no, that doesn't contradict anything of what I'm saying. I don't I, mean, think not that, saying it
3: contradicts it. I, I'm just saying, is that justified? Like, it, if he, you're the Bills, does it make he, sense? He's in probably going out, lying
0: anyway. He's probably, you know, these are the things you say. And then he says. Cafeterially. He's got a thing for lunch. We're going to
3: help him in, in regards to Nathan Peterman. Eric
0: Moulds, too, from what I understand. There's a famous story about Eric Moulds
3: at Lunch Ladies. St. John Fisher. In regards to Nathan Peterman, Terrell Pryor said, we're going to help him do great. If he plays this week, we're going to help him be very successful. We're going to make him look good this week. So a lot of positive language from Terrell Pryor. But I I will say, again, does it make sense to bring in a 29-year-old receiver if the message from Sean McDermott from day one was, we have realistic expectations about this season, we're developing young players, we're trying to build something, I have a hard time believing Terrell Pryor is going to be part of their future, but perhaps a guy like they drafted in the sixth round, Ray Ray McLeod, might be part of that future, or the two undrafted guys that they seem to like, and Cam Phillips and Robert Foster. So this signing well, only takes be, away from that. And real which quick, is a little and then we'll,
0: Jonah, and then we got to get Joel Staniszewski on the line to talk about the, the betting aspect of it. But the part of the that with culture being so important to Sean McDermott, even if Terrell Pryor doesn't come back in 2019. I think you could look at him being here as an asset to help them win, to be competitive, to be to have fun, uh, maybe even, is something that Sean McDermott has to look at of, I'm building something, and even if we're going to lose their game, I still have to keep these guys engaged on a weekly basis. I still have to roll out some sort of offense so these guys aren't packing it in. So so Terrell Pryor, just by being here, can help. And, th- and this, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, right? but where Sean McDermott could be thinking, we have to be better on offense, or else you know, throw everything out that, that then we can accomplish nothing this year. Then the defense starts chirping at the offense, or we start having you know the division. We need to somehow balance the scales so that way the offense can have some some sort of viability.
4: I just wanted to jump in. I don't think that there's in a short week that they can get Terrell Pryor ready to play wildcat quarterback and wide receiver, and even alluding to what Nathan Peterman said. I think it's a question whether he's even active Sunday to play wide receiver. They probably need him so badly that he will be. But they've shown their history, whether it's trading for Kelvin Benjamin when they signed Derek Anderson, not unlike any other team. It takes more than a few days
3: to be ready to play when the Bills bring guys in late. And if you're talking about culture, I mean, there are certainly questions about Terrell Pryor with the Jets and things that I've heard today even uh, from people down there. And, in fact, one Such of as? the things that essentially is a diva. And the the Jets got rid of a diva, and, and they believe that they're justified in doing so. I mean, this was a guy who even today, when Mark Gaughan from the Buffalo News was asking, essentially said to Terrell Pryor, um, and I have really the Q&A,
0: All right, real quick, because we got to get Joel Stanisch.
3: He might not be totally healthy either. Who He says, Mark Gahn said, you were productive in the six games you played with the Jets. You caught a few passes. Do you feel like you're – and there was a pause in Mark Gahn's question as he was searching for the word, and Terrell Pryor cut him off and said, underused. So Mark Gahn said, well, you feel like that a little bit. Pryor said, yes, absolutely. So if you're going to talk about guys chirping – Let's say, for instance, Jonah Bronstein's prediction comes true. He doesn't, he doesn't play or he doesn't get on the field too much. Well, do you want a guy in your locker room who's going to be saying, yeah, I'm underused? Again, I, I, there's a downside. I'm not saying it's a bad sign. I, there's certainly a downside with this one.
0: Well, we're going to find out. It'll, be, it'll make the season a little more interesting from our standpoint, but I, I think it makes it a little more interesting for the guys in the locker room. You have to keep these guys right. it's dialed spark. in to having a reason to show up to work You know, or to want to show up ready to go, especially on the offensive side, because otherwise they're thinking, what are we here for? We just went through the trade deadline. We're not nobody's being brought. We're not getting any help. We're terrible. Uh, We can't get anything done. We're beating our heads against the wall and this other defense on a weekly basis. And we have single digit out uh, points to score show for it the defense is thinking the same we need to score touchdowns or else we're not going to score at all so anyway it's uh there are purposes to this even if he's not here uh beyond 2018 whether or not it's it's useful i don't know i'm just that's just uh how it is all right uh we're going to have joel staniszewski coming up we're going to talk about what's going on from the uh vegas standpoint uh, of the buffalo bills and uh what things look like. Kevin Fishbane said earlier that we need to hammer the under on this game. We're going to see if Joel Stanishevsky uh, agrees with that when he joins us on the line from Vegas. This is the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings & Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. You're listening to the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Buffalo Bills. Your Buffalo Bills, Chris.
1: They are my Buffalo Bills. I'm I'm claiming them.
0: Your Buffalo Bills are 10-point underdogs. To the Chicago Bears, 10 point underdogs at home.
1: Double digit Sh- dog is not at a good home. look. Not a good look at home. Well, you know who we talk about that with. From Buffalo to Las Vegas, Las Vegas. It's Joel Sanchez. <laughs> the Bills make me
0: wanna <laughs>
3: best gambling advice from Vegas.
0: It's Joel Stanishefsky. Joel Stanishefsky on the line from Vegas. The Buffalo State grad has been out in Vegas for 14 years working as an industry analyst, odds maker, and handicapper. He joins us every week to talk about the Buffalo Bills from a betting standpoint and Joel, the Bills open up as eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. It's been bet up to ten already, or bet down to ten, I guess I should say. The total, 37-and-a-half. That's low. And we had uh, Kevin Fishbane on earlier from The Athletic Chicago to say, hammer the under. What do you say on that?
2: It is the um, lowest total this year. Um, The last time a total was this low was uh, November 19th of 2017. Um, It is a very low number, and it seems, as strange as it is, it seems like no matter how low it is, bet under it because you can't expect the Bills' offense to really do anything. Um, The the only way I I think that this game goes over is if we get some type of crazy offensive performance, which I doubt, but more than likely if it were to go over, it would be based upon defensive touchdowns, us, interceptions or fumbles in our own zone that's going to lead to quick scores but with these two teams i can't foresee it going over that total now
3: is that the lowest total in the nfl or just for the Bills since last november lowest total in the nfl Woof.
0: well uh the number was eight and a half after the game uh, at the time nobody knew uh, what Derek Anderson's situation was. And it, now that it's uh, a point and a half worse for the Bills, do you think that's just because Nathan Peterman?
2: Um, probably a little bit has to do with that, and it also has to do with people just betting it because they know it'll probably be Nathan Peterman, and if he gets knocked out, they have nobody to put in there other than Matt Barkley, who's been there for a day. Um, this is the first time in 10 years but the Bears have been a road favorite of more than seven points. So Holy it's a smokes. huge number. It's a huge number, um, it's, and it's going to go up. The, the money line right now is uh, most places it's minus $5 or five fifty for Chicago, um, and that's just because they're away. If this was Chicago Bears at home and they were a 10-point favorite, the money line would be closer to, like, minus $7.00. So I expect to get some I expect the game to get some action more on the Bears uh, on the under and all those people that do like those like you know 16 team parlays just the money line will be all of them will be laying the Chicago Bears minus five dollars
0: Wow and that's just more than seven points and here they are a 10 point favorite um, Joel and we're on the on the line for Vegas is Joel Staniszewski. Joel how much will an odds maker take a look at a certain matchup? And I know we've discussed over the years that a defensive player doesn't necessarily, or maybe even going back to Lawrence Taylor, wouldn't even really um, affect a line unless maybe like, you've also mentioned uh, Troy Polamalu being injured back when he was a do everything defensive player for the Steelers. And if he was out, maybe he would affect the spread by half a point. But when you can look at a matchup of Nathan Peterman versus Khalil Mack, what does an odds maker do, or how, does, how will he absorb that information and apply it to the spread?
2: I think it affects the spread and the total um, with a person like Khalil Mack, who's, who's just an absolute phenomenal player.
0: Now, not him um, on his own, but when, you, when it's compared with the quarterback, right?
2: Right, exactly. He's a phenomenal player, don't get me wrong. But then you have a quarterback who's prone to make mistakes, who's prone to hang on to the ball. We have an offensive line that can't provide much timing at all for the quarterback, can't provide money running lanes for the running backs. You have to assume the Bills are going to be running the ball heavily, which is going to slow the game down, which is going to obviously lean towards the under. Uh, You have to expect Khalil Mack is going to get some pressure, possibly some sacks, which again slows the game down, again leans towards the under, more punts. Um, so you take that into account when you're coming up with a with a bet, with a side as well as a total, when you have a player that's so dominant, going against an offensive line and a quarterback that has been played been playing less than stellar for sure.
0: Let's say, Joel, that Derek Anderson emerges from, emerges from the concussion protocol on Friday, and he's able to play. Would you then want to be more prone to take the bills and the points because at least you have a veteran quarterback presence, a guy who has shown that he can get rid of the ball uh, and on timing routes, uh, throwing to the receiver as he's in his cut as opposed to throwing him covered uh, like Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman have been doing?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, when you watched that Monday night game, when you saw uh, Kroom, I believe it was, you thought catch that touchdown pass to bring the Bills right back into the game, followed by that pick six. What what you fail to realize is the Patriots have one of the best offenses in the last 15 years, and the Bills' defense really held them in check. If if our offense could even just be above a smidge, above horrible, we can definitely win this game.
0: Easy the defense, now, easy. The, defense
2: is, the line is way too high. It, it is up to 10. It is and I'm not saying the bills are going to cover it because you don't know what this quarterback is gonna do if it's Nathan Peterman. But I really believe that this line is is way too high. It should e- not be ten.
0: Even with even if it's Nathan Peterman, you think it's too high. Yes. Okay. So if Derek Anderson does get a chance to play, then you really should think about taking the bills and the points.
2: I, I would say so, yes.
0: Okay, well you're even saying if Peterman plays, you want you should take the points. What's your general philosophy on a double-digit underdog at home it doesn't happen that often
2: doesn't happen that often um if you're if you're a
0: handicapper scanning that sheet as it comes out on monday morning and you're taking a look at it in general let's take the bills out of it because i know you're a bills fan and you have your certain principles of how you bet on on your bills but if you're looking at that what jumps out or what what goes through your mind when you see a home dog of that Extent.
2: The first thing that pops into my head is Tim Tebow in the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers as a double-digit dog at home. And they won that game outright in overtime. A double-digit dog at home is a very rare uh, thing, and I couldn't tell you the number, but I would venture to guess that in the last, we'll say, five, ten years, double-digit dogs have definitely covered probably 65% of the time. That's just me just taking a guess. And I would venture to say if I go and look it up that I would be correct in that assessment.
0: All right. So how are you going to approach this game as you watch with uh, one hand uh, over your eyes and your fingers parted <laughs> just, so, just slightly? Do you still it, watch the that, games at the instant replay out there?
2: Uh, no, no. I've, I've, uh, Moondoggies is the spot to go uh, oh, to. Oh, right, they right. Have, uh, OJ shows up pizza. on occasion. Yeah, I wasn't there. That I was in Jacksonville for that game. But um, Moondoggies, which is uh, the bar, and Naked City Pizza, they have like four or five locations out here in Las Vegas. They have the best pizza and wings out here. Naked City
0: Pizza owned by a Western New Yorker who went out there, and I've eaten there a number of times, and it's been voted the best pizza in Las Vegas.
2: It, It really is. It really is. If you ever are a Buffalonian and you come out to Vegas and you want a little taste of the good life, Definitely go there. and get some loganberry and some chicken wings and some pizza, and you're set. And they but, bring uh, in
0: yeah. uh, they bring in a bunch of the beers that you'd be uh, comfortable with too, like uh, Blue Light, which you'd think, all right, that's regular, but out on the west coast, that's tough. It's a little tougher to get. Uh, I think Jenny, you know, all the all the beers that you would make you feel home if you walked in there, and <laughs> right. All right. So yes, I'm sorry. I've, I've watched interrupted. Them there,
2: and, and uh, I've watched some there, and I, I plan to watch the game. And um, I think we're we're hitting that point where we're already looking ahead towards the draft. We probably hit that point about two weeks ago. Um, so you want the Bills to play well? You want them to win? But if you if they lose, you're like, okay, well, we're going to get a better draft pick. We know that this year was kind of a throwaway year with all the dead cap space and the offensive line woes. And,
0: and how will you bet on it? How will you bet on this game, if at all?
2: If at all, if, I, if I'm going to play this game, I'm taking the Bills plus the points, and I'm taking the under. Um, I, I think realistically that line is should be more like, at most, like six. So um, the fact that it's at 10, I will definitely consider it. If it goes up any higher, 10.5, then I would definitely take it.
0: Some definitive advice. Nothing wishy-washy about this when you think that it should be 6 and it's 10. Uh, Joel Staniszewski, thanks for joining us on the line from Vegas. Uh, Syracuse basketball is coming up, so we have to get out of here right at uh, 558. Uh, Syracuse playing LeMoyne, coached by Patrick Beeline. It's a name that everybody uh, here in Western New York uh, has heard of. Uh, Joel Staniszewski, thanks for joining us. Chris Baker at Sabres Prospects. Follow him there on Twitter for uh, Sabers uh, coverage, also at The Athletic. Also, thanks for joining us. Uh, Mike Rodak, fine contributor today for a change. Game ball? I'm going to give Mike Rodak the game ball. Yes, I All will. Right. I'll do that. Uh, a rare non-game ball for Bobby Rosati. Jonah Bronstein handling things uh, on uh, Pinterest, was it?
4: <laughs> Periscope.
0: Periscope, right, uh, on Twitter. And uh, this show. Much thanks to Viola Cummings and Lindsay. The show would not be possible if not for them. Uh, Your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270.